All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to go to a couple of passages of Scripture. If, if you'll turn or begin to look in your iPhone or your pad, iPad or whatever, go to 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and we're going to be going to 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Last week, I started a series, Prayer, Purpose, and Passion. So last week, I talked a little bit about that we're in a spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenlies. And as Christians, we need to be spending time in prayer for guidance and direction. Over the past few weeks or months, I've really been thinking about prayer. I've been thinking about how we need to be a church of prayer. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to realize that there's an enemy that wants to destroy our life. Let me get real personal here today. There's an enemy that wants to destroy your life. In John 10.10, Jesus said that these purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them, you, me, us, a rich and satisfying life. That's God's desire, that we would walk in a rich and satisfying life. The enemy is effective at destroying lives. The enemy is effective in destroying marriages, families, children. We see it all around us. We have the Bible, the Word of God, as a guide. Are you taking time to read the Word of God? We have a Bible reading program. There's some up here. If you would like to take one with you, join us. Just jump in. We're reading in the book of Job right now. It's really been good. It's been a good reminder of, that we do have an enemy, and uh, he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Word says, greater is he who is in us, greater is Christ in us than he who is in the world. So we have hope in that. We have the Word of God as a guide. As followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Wow, we need that. But let me ask you a question this morning. Are you using the weapons and tools that you've been given by God? Because we have weapons and we have tools, and, and we need to be in prayer. Prayer is one of our greatest tools that, that God has given us. It's a direct line to God. And so we need to be in prayer for a specific direction. We should be in prayer for our growth and our connection with God, continuing to come on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and connecting together, spending quiet time in prayer is important. My first point this morning is prayer is powerful. You may recognize that because that was the first point from last week as well, I believe. But prayer is powerful, and we need to really grasp and, and understand that. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, never stop praying. Another version says, pray without ceasing. In other words, pray a lot. Pray all the time. And we, when we look at the life of Jesus, we saw that he regularly took time to get away and just pray and spend time in prayer. So... If Jesus took time to pray, I think we need to be doing the same. Amen. Let's make sure that we're, we're staying in prayer, not as a religious exercise, but as just a determination to seek God in our life and connect with Him and develop our relationship. Because you know that our mission statement here at Life Fellowship is to develop, maintain a model, personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Guys, that's what it's all about. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to spend time with Him. Spend time with him in prayer. Let's go to Ephesians 6. Uh, we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want to talk about a couple of things. And Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and not in your own strength or your own power, but be strong in his power. 
Verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Do you know that the enemy has strategies? He has strategies to take us down. Probably one of our greatest strategies is, is prayer. Praise and prayer. Well, this morning I want to talk about prayer. The enemy has really very few effective strategies because the ones that he has work so well. He doesn't need a whole bunch of them. In preparation for this message, I thought of a couple. One of his strategies is to get us to believe that there is no enemy. <laughs> There's no devil. You don't have to worry about that. It's only a cute little red guy with horns and a pointed tail. It's just a fairy tale. No. The enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. Another tactic is pride and selfishness. And I think that's probably one of the greatest playgrounds that the enemy has in our lives. When we get puffed up with pride and our selfishness, boy, he can work through that. that that's just right up his alley. In fact, that's the reason he got kicked out of heaven, because he wanted to be worshipped. Pride and arrogance. And so we need to ensure that we don't allow pride and arrogance and selfishness to fill our lives, because that's one of the, the enemy's favorite playgrounds. Another one, another tactic, that God doesn't love you. Oh, I think that's his number one lie. How many people do you know that, that just can't receive or can't believe that God really loves them? You may be sitting here today saying, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you think. What God's word says is that he loves you. And there are a lot of people sitting in churches today that need to understand that. We tell our children back there all the time, we're emphasizing that that's one of the basic concepts that we have to grasp before we can move on. So we're telling our children that God really does love them. And let me be clear today, God really does love you. You may not feel like it, but your feelings will lie to you. Have your feelings ever lied to you? Come on. Have you ever made up a whole scenario in your head about something? Oh, they don't like me. And you, boy, you can write a whole script. You could do a whole movie on it to find out that that's not even true. You can't trust your feelings. What we can trust without wavering is the Word of God. And what God's Word says is that He loves us, that we're forgiven, that we're His prized possession, that we're His masterpiece, and that we have access to His mighty power. Another tactic of the enemy is that the way to God is through religion, to get you so frustrated from stale, lifeless religion that you give up. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been trapped in religion and, and you're trying to jump through all these hoops? And that ties into another lie of the enemy that the way to God is through performance. And the outcome of those things are getting so frustrated with the constant up and down cycle that that we come to the realization that we can't be good enough and we finally give up and throw in the towel and say, I can't do this anymore. Well, that's the point. We can't do it anymore. We need to yield our life to God. Only He can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Another tactic of the enemy that is really effective is to wreck your life with bitterness and hatred through unforgiveness. You become consumed with bitterness and that person's in your head the person that you least want to be in your head and think about is in your head and you see them drive by and all those emotions stir up within you and, and you, know, you start getting all consumed with them. The person that you don't want to be thinking about the most is controlling your life. And so as we begin to turn those things over to God and say, God, I choose to forgive them. Forgiveness is not saying well, I wasn't wrong, or it's okay, it's okay. No, it wasn't okay. 
It doesn't mean that thing. What it means is that I've determined to never hold that against that person again. And I'm going to take that to God. And it's between them and God. I'm going to make the choice to forgive them. Listen, have you ever needed to be forgiven? (laughs) Have you ever needed some grace? And when we begin to look at people that are unlovely and, and hard to deal with, if we, could, if we had x-ray vision and we could look into their heart, we would see a person that's hurting and wounded, probably f- filled with bitterness themselves, who probably doesn't realize that God loves them deeply because they don't love themselves, whatever that may look like. And so we have the opportunity to dispel these lies of the enemy and these tricks of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to believe in God. You know, I've heard people say, well, I believe in God. Well, big deal. The demons from hell know that there's a God. The enemy doesn't want us to know that there's a God. However, if someone does believe in God, well, it's not a threat to Satan unless they have a relationship with God. When we have a relationship with God, that's when it threatens the enemy. His main strategy is to keep you from having a real relationship with God. Let's go to Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Do you see evil going on around you? I know you do. Look at all the things that are going on in the Middle East. He goes on to say, Paul writes to the Ephesians in verse 13, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will be standing strong, standing firm. So we put on God's armor. We put on the belt of truth, his word. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on shoes that come from the gospel of peace. We hold up the shield of faith to deflect the fiery darts of the enemy. We put on the helmet of salvation. We pick up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You see what we're picking up, what we're putting on? We're putting on spiritual armor because it's a spiritual battle that we're in. So we put on all the armor of God. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. It goes on to say in verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what about praying in the Spirit? I've talked about that in the past, and I'm planning to talk about that next week. I'm not going to talk about it this morning, so I want you to come back. And we're going to talk about praying in the Spirit. But the bottom line is to pray. Spend time in prayer. Connect with Him on a greater level. And there's a lot of ways that we can do that. As we sit and pray... There are times when the Lord will give me a visual. Maybe in my mind's eye, I have a visual of someone. Maybe your face comes to mind, and, and I begin to pray for you. Or, or maybe I, in my mind's eye, I think about this phrase, or I see these words. Or Last night I was up here praying and worshiping the Lord. Some of you came to mind. I began to pray for Jason and Kelly, their children. I began to pray for Richard and Rena. I begin to pray for some of you. And so that's what it's about. It's just sitting in the presence of God, focusing on Him and allowing Him to speak to us. It's not weird and kooky, guys. I promise you. It's just getting into that place where we are receptive to what the Lord wants to do in our life, what He wants to say to us, who He wants us to pray for. The bottom line is pray. So my first point this morning is prayer is powerful. My second point is prayer is our primary defense and weapon of offense. 
Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Why? Because this is a spiritual battle. It can manifest in the physical, and I think we're seeing evil around us all the time. We see people that are acting out. They're doing evil things, so it can be manifest in the physical. But what if everyone had a relationship with Christ? What if everybody in our community had a relationship with Christ? And we've talked about this before, how that there are about 275,000 people in this area that don't have a church home, that don't have a connection with God. What if half of those people came to know the Lord? What would that do for our communities? <laughs> what would that do for the attitudes on, on the little league football field when parents are getting out there and fighting and all kinds of crazy stuff? Think about how that would impact your family, your community, the world around us. God is revealing himself to people all across the globe. People of other faiths are encountering Jesus. Even so, it's a choice to follow him or not. I know that Christine had a conversation with a gentleman that had had an encounter with Jesus and still chose not to follow him. Listen, guys, it's a choice that we make every day. It's a choice that people make every day. And they were making that choice 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here. And we still have the option to make that choice. The people in the world around us choose to follow him or reject him. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Verse 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Human reasoning that rise against God's truth and false arguments are defeated by God's weapons by spiritual weapons. Verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Okay, so we're teaching people about the things of God. Listen, rebellious thoughts are, well, it can be something like, well, I don't believe the word of God. Well, that's a rebellion to God's word. And it's for our benefit that we understand the things of God, that we understand that God loves us, that we receive the word of God, that we stay within the boundaries that he says, he says, these boundaries are good. Stay within these boundaries because it's for your benefit. How do we destroy proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God experientially? One of the ways is through prayer. For ourselves, we can pray, God, I want to know you on a deeper level. I want to connect with you on a greater level. I want to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And then we can pray for those that don't have a relationship. We, we need to be praying for them. Come on, some of you are probably here today and have a relationship with the Lord because somebody prayed for you. Maybe you had a grandmother or a mom or aunt or uncle or somebody that, was, that spent a lot of time praying for you. Maybe there was a church in Chemo called Life Fellowship that was praying for the community. And one day you drove by and you saw the banner and you just felt compelled to stop in here. And then maybe through the greeting team or through the worship or through the, the sermon or something, somehow you made that connection with God, whatever it may be. So we need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying for our loved ones. I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm talking about having a real relationship with him. That's what it's all about. How do we really know him? Well, it's just like any other relationship, by spending time together. Spending time with him. Are you spending time with the Lord? And I'm not talking about 
God is great, God is good, and we thank him for his food. Amen, let's eat. I'm talking about really spending time with him. Where you get in that quiet place and you allow him to speak to you. You allow him to talk to you. So prayer is powerful. Prayer is our primary defense and weapon of offense. Prayer connects us to God and is the catalyst for change. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I love these passages of Scripture. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. We had communion this morning. We were reminded of all the things that God has done for us. And Paul is writing to the Romans, and he's saying, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. He goes on to say in verse 1, Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. As we grow in our relationship, our lifestyle, our actions, our priorities, our perspective, our outward expressions should begin to reflect our commitment to the Lord. The gauge is not only how well we enter into worship on Sunday morning when we're singing these these wonderful praise and worship songs, but it's how we live our life throughout the week. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a song service. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. When God looks at you, is he finding someone that's yielding their life to him? Does he find someone that's serving him? Does he find someone that has a true commitment and connection with him? I'm not talking about performing, guys. I'm talking about having authentic, honest relationship with him. That's what it's all about. So when he looks at you, does he see that? It's not because we force ourselves to change. Oh, oh, I've got to be better. Okay, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be kinder. Oh, I'm going to be a more loving person. Oh, I'm going to make that happen. It's because our heart is transformed. And as God touches our heart and transforms us, we're changed from the inside out. Verse 2 in Romans 12 goes on to say, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We choose to allow God to transform us, or we choose not to allow God to transform us. Let God. I have a prop this morning. I thought I was going to have to have Ryan help me put it together. It's a, a transformer. And within this is the ability to transform into something else. And let me see if I can get this thing to transform. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Let's see. I think here we go. All right. So within this toy is the ability for it to morph or to, to transform into something else. And I'm not necessarily promoting that you transform into something like this, whatever this guy is. My point is that this is within this toy, but it takes an external force to get it to be transformed. And we need God to help us transform. There are some things that we can do. We can place ourselves in an environment and atmosphere that's conducive to the Lord working in our lives. But he has to be the one to transform us. Have you tried to do it on your own? Have you tried to do it through religion and and jumping through hoops and ah, willing to be a better, kinder, more loving person and all that kind of stuff and find out that that doesn't work so well? 
The first time you get on I-45, you lose all that. <laughs> you lose your witness. You, you rip the fish off the back of your car because, you, you know, you don't deserve to have that thing on there. So just as these transformed former toys are ne- need an external force, we need God to transform us. We need to be passionate about our relationship with him, to honestly love him. Come on. God just wants us to be real with him. Just be real with him. Let me tell you, you can be more real with him than you can your spouse or your family members. So just be real with him. Our gracious, loving, heavenly father wants to transform us to be mighty in him. Mighty, victorious, powerful, filled with his anointing, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To experience his presence on a daily basis. But we need to allow God to transform our lives. We are unable to complete this process without him. Take the steps. Continue to come on Sunday and Wednesday and continue to to read the word of God and spend time with him. But yield to him and allow him to transform your life. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. As we spend time in prayer, we, we receive God's perspective on our life. Do you ever have a selfish perspective? I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know why they're acting like that. Well, maybe you've done something to precipitate that. Maybe they're hurt and really wounded. What, what does God say about it? What is his perspective on the situation? When we look at our marriage and our finances, our employment, our specific situations, whatever those look like, we need to go to God and say, God, what is your perspective on this? I know what mine is, and I'm ready to take a baseball bat and go to town here. But that's probably not his perspective. Some of us have some stinking thinking that needs to be recalibrated and renewed to come into alignment with God's word, to come into alignment with God's truth. And that could be simply that I don't believe that God loves me. Well, that's bad thinking. God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you. Romans 12, 2 again, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. See, when we begin to come into alignment with God's word, it has a a huge impact in our life. As we begin to think about sin differently, as we begin to realize that sin is not because God doesn't want us to have any fun, there are consequences for sin. And when we understand, well, listen, when I go and do this, it damages me. It damages my relationship with my family. It damages my relationship with my Heavenly Father, whatever that may look like. And so as we, we begin to think differently, as we begin to implement and apply the Word of God to our life and to our circumstances, it begins to change us. And we begin to think differently. Let's continue Romans 12 too. Then... After we have allowed God to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see that it starts with us allowing God to transform us, and then we will learn. And I think that that's a a lifelong process. I don't think we ever get there. We're continuing to learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This Greek word for perfect is teleios, and it means perfect, but not in the sense that we think of perfect without blemish, but it means brought to completion to fulfill the role that it was designed for. 
be fully accomplished in Christian enlightenment, where we understand the things of God, where we're seeing God's word and, and we're allowing him to infuse us with his love. Full grown, mature, having reached its end, not limited or partial, but filled with the things of God, having a, a true understanding of the word of God. His word says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Man, that's what I want. So prayer is powerful. Prayer is our primary defense and weapon of, of offense. Prayer connects us to God and is the catalyst for change. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, coming into alignment with his word. Okay? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Prayer changes situations. Prayer can change us. Prayer can change the world. Prayer can change that marriage, that relationship, that child, whatever's going on. God loves you. Maybe you need a fresh start today. This could be your day. Lord, I thank you for your great love for us. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to download into us, to change us, to transform us. God, I think you see. I think you see a people of power, a people of love and grace and anointing that many times we don't see. Because we look in the mirror and we see ourselves and we see all of our baggage. We see resistance to you. But when you look down, I believe you see potential in us. And it's your desire to have us walk in the fullness of life. To walk in your plan for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Mature, complete in all things. And I think many times we short-circuit that and circumvent that because we don't allow you to wash over our lives and bring health and healing to us and fill us with your great love, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm, I'm sure that, that grieves your heart. It would be like us seeing uh, an athlete with such great potential, but they've lost it all because of drugs or, or you know, whatever that may be. And we see great potential in others. God, you see great, great potential in us. But just like this toy, we can't, we can't get there on our own. We need you to transform our lives. We need your love and your grace and your power and all of those things that you can give us to be transformed into the mighty men and women of God that you've called us to be, the mighty men and women that we can be, but it's only through your strength, through your help. We can't get there on our own. So, Father, I pray that as we go through this week and next week and next year, the remainder of our life, God, that we will be committed to developing, maintaining, and modeling an intimate relationship with you, Father. And I pray that you continue to pour into us and speak into our lives, God. Help us, strengthen us, encourage us. Give us all the things that we need. And we pray for those loved ones in our families or neighbors or coworkers. Lord, we pray for them. We pray that they would be infused with the love of God 
and that they would allow you to transform their life as you're transforming us into the image of Christ, to look more like Christ, maybe not physically, but in character, that we have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are resident within us because it's part of who we are, part of our, our DNA. So, Father, I pray that you continue to work in our lives and that we yield to you in Jesus' name. As I was preparing for this series, I was, I was thinking that I really want us to be a praying church. Jesus quoted, I think, Isaiah. He said, my house should be a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. You know, sometimes we make the church, we make the body of Christ something that it was never designed to be or to do. My house should be a house of prayer. And I thought about ways that we could pray individually. Listen, uh, I've heard two people that I highly respect say this, and they've said that they believe that uh, we're closer to the end than what we realize. And I don't know. I don't don't know if that's true. I I can envision that we, we are. But you're one day closer to the end of your life as you know it now. One day you'll be with heaven with the Lord and so we have a a great opportunity but we need to be in prayer I I want us to be more deliberate about prayer individually and corporately as a church and and I thought about some things I thought well we could have we could open the sanctuary at 6 30 in the morning or 7 in the morning or 7 at night and and uh Can I be straight up with you? I I don't want to be harsh or hurt your feelings, but in my mind, I thought there probably won't be very many people that show up because it's not a priority. And, you know, I I would probably fall in that category too some days. And I thought, well, how can we do this? I know that we need to pray. I know that we're called to pray. I know 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it through the example of Christ. And this is what I came up with. Something that we can all do. I want all of us for the next 40 days to just pray five minutes in the morning. Before you get going, whether that be when you get out of bed, before you take your shower, after you take your shower, whatever that looks like for you. But I want to encourage all of us to do this for 40 days. I think everybody can do five minutes. But you know what? It has to be a a determination that we make. And some of you are doing that. And and maybe we need to be praying more. We probably do. But I want to encourage all of us during this 40-day period starting today, I want you to spend some time in prayer. And and, uh, I've taught on fasting before. I'd like for, for some of you to fast. And fasting just simply really means we're denying ourselves in order to seek God. So... Maybe you don't take a lunch break for, or you, you, don't have, you don't eat lunch on your lunch break for 40 days. You just take that time to get aside and pray. Maybe, uh, maybe you, you can't fast food, um, but maybe you can fast your, your favorite TV program. I wouldn't ask you to skip the, the game today, but <laughs> I don't think I'd be very successful in that. But seriously, I, you know, it's really just denying ourselves of something and saying, I, I'm going to take what I would normally do or what I would prefer to do, and I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And so whatever that looks like for you, 
And so I want to encourage you to spend some time really seeking God and uh, maybe fasting a meal or two or maybe fasting for a couple of days. When I fast, normally I just do a water fast. Uh, I just don't eat anything. I just drink water and I spend time in prayer. And there's something that happens when, when I do that. There's a connection with God that happens. I, I don't know how to explain it. But I encourage you all to do that. Everybody can fast a meal or something, or if you can fast a couple of days. But, but primarily, I want you to be in prayer during this 40-day period. And I'm planning to have the office send out an email on Tuesday. And these are the, some of the things that I want you to be praying for over these next 40 days. Jesus got alone with God. And he prayed. Spent quiet time. We need to do the same. I want you to be praying for yourself. I want you to take time and say, God, I, I want you to just share with me and show me what you have for me for my life. Or I want you to help me be a better husband or wife or parent or grandparent or whatever that looks like. So I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for your family. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your home, your children. Pray for your family. Pray for your Life Fellowship family. We're family here. So I want you to be praying. I want you to take some time and just quiet yourself. and Maybe Linda's face comes to mind and you begin to pray for her. Or Chris, Hollis. Maybe my face. Pray for me. So pray for your Life Fellowship family. Then I also want you to pray that Life Fellowship will grow to 100 families. We need to, we can have greater influence as we grow. And, and specifically, I want you to pray for 100 men. I want to pray, I want you to pray for the men in the family. Men, we need to step up. We're called to be leaders in our home. And we can abdicate that authority and that, that position, but it doesn't change that we're going to be held accountable. We are the leaders of our home. We're the leaders of our church. We're the leaders of our community. And we're going to be meeting. The women are, have relaunched, and they're meeting the first Tuesday of every month. And so they'll be meeting Tuesday night here. The second Tuesday of the month, the men are meeting. I want you here. Come on. Um, the goal is that, that we're trained and equipped to lead strong as men of God. And so I want us to pray that God will bring 100 families to Life Fellowship. And specifically, I want to pray for strong men. We need to take our role. Traditionally in the church, it's been the women that are leading. It was never designed to be that way. Come on, guys. We need to pick it up. We need to raise the bar. And we appreciate the women coming and serving and giving. There's a group of women that come um, every Thursday and they spend time in worship and prayer and do tasks around the, the church. They're putting us to shame, guys. Pray for a life fellowship to have our own building. I've been praying for that. God could give us one. You know, I don't want to get in debt, but I'm, I'm praying. Uh, I want us to, to pray for this nation. This nation needs prayer. We need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for our political leaders. We need to be praying for our spiritual leaders. We need to be praying for our teachers. I just heard on the news the other day where another teacher had inappropriate uh, relationship with students. I mean, we hear about that all the time. We need to be praying for our students, our schools. We need to be actively involved. So we need to pray for this nation. We need to pray for Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to pray for believers all around the world. Those are some of the things that I want you to be mindful of and praying for. 
Listen, if you just prayed those things, that would be five minutes right there, I'm sure. And what you find is when we get into that place and when we don't have some place that we've got to hurry off and rush off to and be, it's a wonderful time to spend in the presence of the Lord. So I want to encourage all of us to do that. We're going to have a reflection time. And if you would like prayer, uh, come up and I, I want to pray with you. Or if you want to stay in your seat and pray, if someone comes up for prayer, be praying for them. Or you can start today praying for some of these things this morning. And uh, listen, I can't... We Well, let me say this. We've seen people healed. We've seen God do mighty, miraculous things. It's, it's not me. It's God. I can join with you in prayer. And I can believe with you and stand with you in prayer. So as we sing this song, as David and Lorraine sing this song, I want you to take some time and pray. And let's just put into practice what I've been talking about this morning. In it. Thank you for your mighty power. And we pray that you would continue to fill us to overflowing. Father, we pray that wherever there are physical maladies, that you would heal those. Wherever there are spiritual disconnects, that you would heal those. Father, wherever there are emotional wounds and scars, hurts, bitterness, unforgiveness, that you would heal those areas, that you would cause us to choose to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt us, Lord place that at your your feet and we say God that's now between you and them I've made the choice to forgive them Father where there's emotional healing that needs to take place or woundedness or rejection from rejection issues whatever those look like God we pray that we would not see you as a rejecting father but we would have a greater understanding of the wonderful gracious loving father that you really are so Father as we leave this morning we pray that you would continue to go with us and guide us and lead us strengthen us encourage us that you would remind us in the morning that we're going to spend at least five minutes in prayer that you would wake us up that we would be alert and father not only would we be obedient and just spending time in prayer with you but you would download to us, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal yourself to us in fresh new ways, that you would change us, God, that you would transform our lives, every area of our life, God, so we pray all these things with expectation in the mighty and the all-powerful name of Jesus, amen. Guys, we need to be praying Thank you, and I'll be joining you in prayer in the morning from either here or my house, but I'll be praying with you, and I want you to pray, and I'll be expecting to hear good reports. I'll be expecting, we're going to be expecting God to do some things, so if you don't journal, when you, when you see an answer to prayer, journal it, write it down, and then I want you to share that with me. Okay, 40 days, guys. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to seek God. We're going to yield to Him. We're going to see what He does. Go out and live it. You're dismissed. Yeah.